You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to look at a lot of verses tonight. Uh, Ephesians chapter number 5, and this morning I preached a Sunday night message. All right, how many of you know what I'm talking about? All right, I preached a Sunday, a Sunday night message this morning, and I'm going to preach a Sunday night message again tonight. Uh, and so here as we look at this passage of Scripture, if you've been saved any period of time, when you think about, uh, you think about Ephesians chapter 5, you think about marriage. You think about, uh, as a pastor, uh, I think about counseling. This is a passage that I find myself going to often, uh, helping couples uh, in their marriage and in their relationships. But Ephesians chapter 5 really isn't about marriage. It deals with marriage, but it's not about marriage. It's about the Lord and His church. It's about the Lord and the church. And when we look at all of the references here as he's going husband and wife, it keeps being referenced back to the church. And as we look at this passage, we see that the relationship of marriage, the sweet, wonderful relationship that marriage is supposed to be, that's the kind of relationship that should symbolize the Lord's love relationship for His church. The Lord loves His church. How many of you men, you love your wife? All right? God loves His church. And with that, God wants to protect His church. He's going to protect the church. He's going to protect the church from anything that is going to hurt it. Why? Because it's His bride. Somebody wants to be an enemy, my enemy. If they do something to my wife or my children, we've got problems. And we'll put we'll put everything else aside, and we'll we'll square it all away. Uh, but I'm going to take care of my family. Right? God, when He looks at His church, it's His bride, and He's going to take care of His church, His bride. He wants to make sure that. It is prepared for him. Just like in a scenario where you have an engaged couple and they're looking forward to that marriage day and all the preparations that go in, Miss Annalise and Brother Chris, and all that preparation that goes in and the planning that goes in. Uh, and here, there, there is a bride that is preparing and, and a groom that uh, is, is anticipating that sweet relationship. And God wants His church to be holy, to be pure, to be undefiled, prepared for Him. 
And I've, last couple sermons, I've been talking about holiness and talking about purity. Why? Because the church should be pure for the Savior. It's bigger than just you. It's bigger than just me. This, though I want us to have buy-in at our church and ownership here in the church, and this is my church, and I believe that uh, I, I, I love our church, but the reality is, this is not my church, this is God's church. This is God's. And with that, we have to keep that understanding because if we, don't, if we do not grasp the reality, if we do not grasp the great truth that the church belongs to the Savior, then we can start going off doing our own thing. And let me tell you, there's churches all over the place going and doing their own thing. But it's not their church to do it with. But they feel like it's their church. They can do whatever they want. It's not. It's Christ's church. And in the church, the body of believers, there's an expectation of holiness and purity. Because it's His church. So let's look again at verse... I want you to look at verse number 32. Brother Franklin read verse 33. I don't even know that I can preach now. Uh, he added that extra... <laughs> but look with me here at verse 32. The Bible says, This is a great... What? Mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. The mystery, the, the relationship of husband and wife... The relationship of Christ in the church. And that is what he was referring to here is the church. Marriage is the most intimate of human relationships. The closest relationship in life. And that's how the church should be with the Savior. We should be preparing ourselves. For the day that he calls us out. Aren't you looking forward to that day? I mean, one of these days that eastern sky is going to split. The trumpet's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. What a blessing. I'm looking forward to that day. And I don't know if I'm going by the upper taker, if I'm going by the undertaker, but one way I'm going to see the Savior. And I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to that relationship. Uh, but here he has given us the opportunity to be a part of something special. The church is special. It's special. And with that, the, the love of the church should be because of what it represents and what we get to be a part of. Uh, and so this church, uh, it's special. It's Christ's church. He purchased it. He owns it. He is the head of the church. Uh, look at verse 22. He said, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. 
uh, he said, uh, as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. It is just symbolic here. Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body, the Savior of the church. Look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the what? Church. And gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. I want to speak to you tonight on the subject, a glorious church. A glorious church. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Help me to be able to help these people. Uh, Lord, I love our people. I pray that you would help us uh, as a church family, uh, Lord, to be the church that you would want us to be. And so I pray that you'd work in our midst. I pray that our love for you would just grow. Uh, Lord, our desire to be that glorious church, uh, not no spots, no wrinkles, or any such thing that would divide us or separate us from you. Uh, distance us from you. And so I pray that you'd help us tonight uh, to be the body you'd want us to be. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. So the church, the bride of Christ, and as a bride is to be saved uh, and set apart for her groom, the church is to be pure and clean and set apart for the Savior. Amen. It's more than we, we talk about, we talk about uh, holiness, and there is a wall that almost instantly builds up. I mean, I can see it on faces. And, and it is almost as if, well, I don't want to follow all those rules. What rules? I mean, as, a, as the bride is is making sure she is ready for her husband, uh, her groom, uh, the same way the church should be preparing, anticipating, looking forward to being close to him. And as we get closer to the Savior, we are getting farther away from the world. The bride that is, is preparing for her groom, uh, she's not going out with all the guys. Why? Because she is preparing for one. And let me tell you, you and I right now should be preparing ourselves uh, to see the Savior. I got him. Praise the Lord. Uh, and, and so we should be preparing ourselves because one day we're going to see him. We don't know when he's coming, but we know he's coming. And since we know he is coming, I want to make sure that I'm ready when he comes. I don't want to be uh, indulging in things that would, would displease him. I don't want to dirty uh, the church. It's not just me. It's not just my decisions and my sins. It's about the body. It's about the whole church. And a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. 
and one person's sins and one person's infidelity, one uh, person's uh, willingness to, to engage in sinful behavior, it, it impacts the whole body. And as a church, collectively, corporately, we need to be uh, moving towards the Savior and away from this world. We should, we should look so much different from the world. The longer that we're saved, the more we should be like Christ. I don't know all that that's going to look like, but I know what it doesn't look like. There is no such thing as sinless behavior. There's no way that we are going to uh, somehow get to a place where we are sinless. We have a sin nature, but at the same time, we should not be the servant of sin. We should not be under the chains of sin. So I want you to see several things here. Look at verse 26. It says that he might sanctify, talking about the church, uh, and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And notice that, just like in Galatians 5, when he talks about uh, the, the, the uh, fruit of the, uh, of the flesh, uh, the works of the flesh, uh, and such like, uh, we don't know how depraved and deprived this world will be, but we do know that we should not be such like or any such thing. Uh, there doesn't have to be a specific verse that calls out every specific sin. You and I, as believers, we should have a desire to be holy and to be like our Savior, uh, and for our church to be holy, and for our church to be going the right direction. So he said in verse 26 that he might sanctify it. So first of all, I want you to see that the church, a glorious church is a sanctified church. A glorious church is a sanctified church. Now, these buildings are set apart for God's, uh, God's use, but when he's talking about the church, he's not talking about the buildings. When we look at this piano over here, this piano is a sanctified piano. It belongs to God. It is for God's use. But when he's talking about uh, the, the glorious church, a sanctified church, he's not talking about the piano. He is talking about the believers. He is talking about the assembly of baptized believers that make up uh, that church. And uh, it should be a sanctified church. Now, uh, if you go back to that, you'll see the word hagios. Uh, and we go in there? There we go. Uh, hagiazo. Uh, and with this, that word, it literally means to make as dedicated to God, either in becoming more distinct, devoted, or morally pure. Morally pure. To make holy, to set apart. Now, when we, when we are looking at to make holy, to set apart, to be dedicated there's two sides to this. There is the side to, to become holy, uh, to be dedicated to, but in the process of dedicating to, it's also a separation from. You cannot separate the two. And people think that uh, independent Baptists, these, these separatists and these legalists, they've got all these rules and regulations. No, there's no rules and regulations. Uh, the, the, the desire for the child of God should be uh, that we would be holy. 
That should be the desire. And if I am going this direction, I don't have to worry about that direction. I don't have to worry about all the, the, the laws and the rules. The only people that have to worry about that are the ones that are going the wrong direction. When you're facing the wrong way, those, those laws are there to keep you uh, in check, uh, to try to help you from going the wrong way and into destruction. Uh, but for the believer that is trying to do right, uh, it, there, there is an automatic separation. When you are going the right way, you are not going the wrong way. Isn't that deep? It's like the other statements that I'll make. Uh, if if you are where you are supposed to be, you are not where you're not supposed to be. If you are doing what you're supposed to do, you're not doing what you're not supposed to do. There's so much in life that is not rocket science. The Christian life is not rocket science. We make it complicated. And there's so many that spend their life. Uh, I'm, I'm amazed at the amount of people now with social media that they spend their entire life uh, listening to sermons and tearing preachers apart and tear, tearing uh, standards and convictions and everything that is good and right to try to keep people from uh, wrecking their lives. Uh, we look through the book of Proverbs. Uh, you think about Proverbs, uh, and Proverbs isn't a bunch of commands. Proverbs are principles to help us so we don't destroy our life. It's called wisdom and understanding. You know what they focus on? They focus on commandments. Well, God didn't command me that I can't do that. Yeah, he didn't command me not to put my head underneath the, uh, the tire of a semi-truck, but it doesn't mean that I need that command not to do it. There's a lot of wisdom that God gives to us, that understanding the principles of Scripture. Uh, and the church is supposed to be a, a sanctified church. So if, so if he said that the church should be sanctified, he's going to present it to himself, a glorious church, uh, sanctified here. Uh, let's, let's look at what sanctification means. And we're not going to have to go far because it's still here in Ephesians chapter 5. Go back to verse 1. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Notice here that sincerity, that simple faith, that love, that innocence. You know, there's dear children and then there's other children. The other children, you know, the one in the supermarket that's screaming and yelling and hitting mom. And it's like, oh my goodness, uh, what is going on here? Uh, that's, not, that's not how God wants us to be. He says, I want you to follow me as a dear child. That submissive child. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice uh, to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. So he is, he is telling us why should we should want to be sanctified, holy, set apart. And it's all good. It's all good. He says, but, verse 3, fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not once be named among you as become of saints. Grab a hold of that. Let it not once be named among you. 
This, isn't, this is not just an oops. This is a deliberate violation of God's word. Let me tell you, God's people are getting too close to, to the world. They are desensitized towards sin. And immorality is becoming normal within the church. And let me tell you something, that is not acceptable. Let it not once be named among you. But it's happening over and over and over again. Let me tell you, that's not how God wants us to live. Let it not once be named. It's not just a warning of, well, you know, try not to. It should not even be named among us. There's, there should not even be a question or an accusation, let alone the action and the engagement uh, in these sins. And, and we have found that the church is becoming so immoral uh, and it's happening over and over again. Let me tell you something. If the church is going to be a glorious church, it's going to be a sanctified church. And we have got to recognize uh, the importance of holiness, but fornication and all uncleanness. You don't get to fornication without other uncleanness. Notice, or covetousness. You know, we just sort of kick that one aside so often, like it's no big deal, but it is a big deal. God tells us that covetousness, which is idolatry, the very desire for things, it's amazing how many people get out of serving God because of things. More money, more house, more car, more toys, more inter entertainment. These are not bad things, but when you put these things above God, now you have covetousness, now you have idolatry. Anything put between you and God is idolatry. We start taking on extra work so I can have extra money, and well, preacher, I can't come because I, I got to work. You know what? There's a difference between I've got to put food on my table and I'm just trying to get that next toy. We've got to have some checks and balances in our life. So here he said, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not once be named among you as becometh saints. As becometh saints. You know, you are called to be a saint. Romans tells us that. Paul was called to be an apostle. We are called to be saints. The word saint there is the exact same word as, as sanctified there. It's the same word. Uh, we are to be holy. Holy. A saint, sanctified, set apart for God's use. 
He said, neither, fear, fear, neither uh, filthiness or foolish talking or jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that nor, no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. The kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness. Uh, that were sometimes is literally a word that translates you were in times past. You were darkness in times past, but that's not how we're supposed to be now. If you're a child of God, if you're saved, you're not supposed to be darkness anymore. You're supposed to be light. We're not supposed to be the same. We're not supposed to just have our get out of jail free card. It's not just about, well, I'm saved. I'm a child of God. God will forgive me. He's going to take me to heaven. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, well, you know, I can just, I can just uh, come to the Lord later and he'll forgive me. Uh, that's not repentance. God says, if you confess me, uh, you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That confess is the word homo It means to say the same thing as. It is that we look at that sin the same way God looks at that sin. And when we recognize our sin like God looks at our sin, uh, and it, it will break us. You look at Psalm 51 and you start seeing uh, David after a year uh, of living he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and the baby. And then it took about a year's time and the prophet came and put his finger in his face and said, thou art the man. Uh, it took time before David got right with God. And let me tell you, if we start allowing sin into our life, it is not just flipping a switch and we're right back there. There is a time of repentance. There is a time uh, of remorse and uh, understanding our sin and how it has affected God. But it's also sin that has affected the body of Christ. And we're responsible. As a child of God, as a part of God's church, we're responsible make sure that our church is a glorious church. The Lord is doing his part. He's washing it. And he is desiring to cleanse it. And he will, is desiring to sanctify it. But we've got to do what we can do. And we can't just engage in sinfulness. He said that we should walk in love. That, that word love there is agape love. 115 times in the New Testament that word is used. And, and with that, it is a love. It is an affection. It's a sincere love uh, and affection. Uh, it is a pure love. Uh, it's the type of love that God has for us. It's uh, when the Lord said uh, to Peter, 
uh, lovest thou me? It was, do you agape me? Uh, when God said that uh, God so loved the world, it was that love. It was agape love. It was a deep uh, love. It was not a sensual love. It was not a, uh, a casual love or like. It's a sincere love. And we are to be following Christ with that uh, same type of love. We are to be free uh, from fornication, free from filth. Uh, he said, but fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, uh, verse 4, neither filthiness. Uh, and so here we see all of this sin. And God's saying this is not to be a part of our life. A glorious church will not have this. The glorious church that God wants to, Christ wants to present it to himself, it doesn't have this going on. We've got to be on guard. The devil, he is a destroyer. He is as that lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. And he wants to destroy. But a glorious church is a sanctified church. Look at verse 7. He said, Be not therefore partakers with them. With them. Don't partake in this sin. Don't be a part of this. This should not be something that we are okay with. In our own life or in the lives of those that come. Holiness. So a church that is glorious is a sanctified church. A church that is glorious, secondly, is a cleansed church. A cleansed church. That word cleansed, katarizo, uh, uh, it is to cleanse from evil. To cleanse from evil, to make clean, to purify. God wants his church to be pure. All right, so let's look at a couple of verses. Get your Bibles. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Second Corinthians chapter 7. Verse number 1. The Bible says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us... What is the next two words? Cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Personal responsibility. You and I personally have to be responsible for our own holiness. If we fail morally, it's our fault. It's nobody else's fault. Cleanse ourselves from all filthiness. Uh, go to Titus chapter number 2. Titus chapter 2. Titus 2 and verse number 14. Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James. Titus chapter 2 verse 14. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all what? Iniquity. And purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Sin will, dis, de, will remove us from good works. 
It'll, it'll sidetrack us. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews. Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9. Verse number 14. Hebrews 9 verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Purchase your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Because of what Christ has done for us, we should serve him. I mean, it is, it is out of a heart of gratitude, not out of a heart of obligation. We should want to serve the Lord for all that he has done for us. James 4, 8, he said, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Uh, 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with, uh, with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all unrighteousness. From all sin. Uh, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We just see that, uh, that uh, cleansing. God does not want us to be dirty. He doesn't want us to be dirty. A glorified church is a sanctified church. A glorified church is a cleansed church. Uh, Ephesians 5, 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church. You see, it's the word of God that cleanses. The Holy Spirit convicts and the word of God cleanses. What a blessing. You know, God takes his word and he will never leave us like he found us. He knows how to cleanse. He knows how to purify. So a glorified, a glorious church is sanctified. A glorious church is cleansed. And a glorious church, thirdly, is without spot or wrinkle. Spot or wrinkle. You know, I don't have to do too much to get a spot on my clothes. You don't even have to try. You know how you get a spot? Is you get too close to something that will stain. You get in the splash zone, you're going to get something on you. It doesn't... I'll buy a brand new shirt. First day I wear it, there's a spot. Now I just take off my tie when I eat, that way the spot is underneath my tie. But the reality is, if we're not going to have spot or wrinkle, we have to be on guard. When I eat at home, I grab a dish towel. And I need a bib. 
And it seems like the older I get, the more I need that bib. But the reality is, it's on purpose if I'm not going to have a spot. It's on purpose if I am not going to be wrinkled. You know, wrinkles don't go out by themselves. You don't have to try to be wrinkled. It just happens. And if you're not going to be wrinkled, you have to put in energy and effort. Let me tell you something. The world is trying to make its impressions on us. It's trying to make those grooves. It's trying to make those lines. It's trying to make those creases, those wrinkles. Just like that, the world's filth. will taint us if we get too close. Without spot. The first part, we have the sanctified, and that's to keep us from being engaged in that sin. That cleansed is, is washing to get clean from that sin. Without spot, we got to be on guard so we are not tainted by the sin. You know, the world is coming at us all the time. Have you ever spilled something on you and it was, oh, grab some water, a little rag or paper towel and you're trying to get it off? And you get it quick enough and it doesn't ruin the garment. But you have to be on top of it. Sometimes you got a spot and you did not even realize it. And by the time you realize it, it's too late. That stain has set. This world should not leave a stain on God's church. We need to be without spot. We need to be without those wrinkles. He said, be ye not therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And if you're walking as a child of light, you are not walking. You're not a partaker with them that are doing the sinful things and behaviors. And that is going to keep you from getting a spot on you. Why should we separate from this world? Why should we live holy? Ephesians 5.30 For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church, a glorious church. We are to be sanctified, cleansed, and without spot or wrinkle.
Let's be on guard. If we're getting splatter on us, we're in the wrong place. If we are in agreement with people that are partakers in that sin, uh, participants in the sin, then we are in the wrong place. We are in the wrong crowd. We are not to be a partaker with them. 1 Corinthians 6, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. Uh, and so we see that there is to be that separation, a glorious church. Now, the Lord wants us to be a glorious church. We should want to be a glorious church. We should be looking forward to his coming. Not dreading his coming. I about did it. I about went off. We shouldn't be dreading his coming. We should be anticipating his coming. And just like that bride and that groom are anticipating uh, that wedding day, we should be anticipating the return of the Savior, calling us on home, and we should be living in such a way that we are ready to see him. You know, when the rapture comes, I would hate to be in a bar. But there, there are people that name the name of Christ and will profess salvation that are in a bar tonight. I would hate to be in an immoral relationship when the Lord comes back. I would hate to have a beer in my hand and a smoke between my fingers when the Lord comes back. But what do we find? We have found so many Christians that have said, well, you know, the Bible doesn't say this, and it didn't, he didn't command that we can't smoke. If I'm just going to focus on what he didn't command me to do, then I'm not preparing myself for his return. I'm just trying to stay right on the edge. We've got to have a desire to be drawing closer to him and ready for his appearing. A glorious church. Let Bible Baptist Church be a glorious church. It won't be that on accident. It won't be that on accident. It's going to be on purpose. Let Bible Baptist be a church that is cleansed. We're not perfect. And, and as a church and having people that are getting saved and, uh, and people coming in the church, you're going to have people in different stages of life and things that are in their life uh, that they're having to work through. Uh, but that does not mean that we should be embracing that sin. And then a glorious church, no spot. Without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Let's be prepared. Let's be a glorious church. Father, you know the needs. Uh, Lord, those that are here, those that are watching online, I pray that Bible Baptist Church, Lord, you would... You would just convict. You would lead, guide, direct. I pray that you would put a hedge of protection around us. 
Uh, Lord, the devil is attacking. We are seeing uh, just the, the trappings of, of people and, uh, and the, the sin that the devil is trying to get in and destroy lives. I pray uh, that you would help us, Lord, to live and to prepare ourselves to see you and help the church, Lord, to be uh, a glorious church. Uh, prepared to meet you. And so help us now uh, speak to hearts. May all of us recognize that great responsibility and opportunity, Lord, to prepare ourselves, our home, our family, uh, and to be an encouragement and help to other people, Lord, that we could be a glorious church. So work now, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. Let's stand together as the instruments play. Lord spoke to your heart tonight. You respond. Maybe you have... Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.